G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. In Australia and, of course, around the world, and for so many, things have been a very difficult year this past year. Some pine for the good old days or have what may be unrealistic dreams of the future. One of Australia's deepest Christian thinkers who is concerned with issues of the heart has just released his latest book in which he invites readers to face our troubled world, to identify our inner struggles of faith and to voice our anxieties and pain. Dr. Charles Ringmar encourages believers to wrestle with God and nurture what he calls a fragile hope, cultivating a hermitage of the heart. Charles is the author of more than 20 books. He says, Living with a fragile hope, we are called by the gospel to nurture an inner life that responds with faith and courage to the brokenness of our world and the woundedness of our inner being. Dr. Charles Ringmar has developed drug education and uh, drug addiction and social welfare programs. This year, it's been 50 years since he started the first teen challenge base in Australia. He is an honorary research associate professor in studies in religion at the University of Queensland, and these days he's retired but continues to serve as elder for the mission Servants to Asia's Urban Poor. Dr. Charles Ringmer, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Charles, wonderful to have you back on 2020. I had a wonderful conversation with you just recently and reflecting on 50 years since the start of Teen Challenge in Australia and some wonderful work that you did in that. And our discussion around addiction led to talk about your latest book, and uh, today, a con- conversation that we can enlarge on around a fragile hope, cultivating a hermitage of the heart. Now, this is an interesting way to talk about a conversation, Charles, but take us back to 2016. You took six months out and spent time at a friend's property in the Queensland bush. Uh, take us into what happened in that time. Yes, so Neil, uh, what I decided to do was um, I needed uh, time out of my normal activities, a sort of a downtime, if you like, a, a Sabbath time. And uh, the reason, the reason why I felt the need for that uh, was because uh, basically I'm a fairly uh, driven kind of person, uh, and as a Christian. Uh, uh, very, very activist in in many ways. And I was deeply concerned, and I have been for a long uh, period of my life, uh, concerned about the fact that sometimes um, activism completely uh, dominates who we are and what we do. And as a consequence, what we then do is we neglect other important parts of our life. And... um, 
And therefore, um, through uh, much of my life, I've always been fascinated by what we call outliers. So in other words, uh, for example, um, groups of Christians who are not sort of mainstream, and the major outlier that I've always been fascinated by has been the monastic movement. And I've had the opportunity uh, in various parts of my life uh, to be able to spend time uh, at particular monasteries, uh, both in, in the Philippines and in Canada, but also here um, in outside of Canungra, there is a Polish monastery. And, of course, the challenge of the monks is that, um, that they're not involved in the normal activism that we are involved in, in terms of family and daily work and mission and ministry or pastoral care, etc. Uh, primarily, even though they do work, um, their focus is on liturgical and private prayer and the practices of solitude and contemplation. And I've always been uh, attracted to that in some way. So what I decided to do then, um, a couple of years ago, was to uh, do a sort of a total um, down tools time. And I spent uh, most of a six-month period in a very, very small hermitage um, on a property of my friend uh, here just outside of Brisbane. And the purpose of that was uh, not to try to uh, do anything magnificent. Uh, the intention was not um, to do a lot of reading. The intention was not to necessarily wrestle with particular problems um, or issues, but just to learn to be quiet, to be still, to become more attentive, uh, to listen uh, both to uh, the workings of the Spirit within my heart. I also wanted, of course, to listen to what Scripture had to say, but I also want to spend a lot of time just being completely still and quiet. So the practices of solitude uh, was the sort of the dominant uh, feature of my time at the Hermitage. Not everyone can afford to take a Sabbath time out, but you were able to, and uh, you've got uh, your retirement years in that sense, but as you say, still very active in so many areas. Uh, the biblical story that comes to mind as you're reflecting on that, uh, Mary and Martha. Martha very busy with the affairs of looking after the household. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Is there something there that gives us a contrast? Because perhaps there are some who are not active enough and there are some who are so contemplative that, uh, that you know, that perhaps that they need to be more active than contemplative. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, a good, uh, a good point that you're making, Neil. And uh, that particular passage has been used a lot uh, throughout the history of the Christian Church. And unfortunately, it, it sort of became a little sort of um, misguided in that uh, out, of, out of that uh, biblical narrative, the idea came that uh, to live the contemplative life was superior to living the ordinary life. So, so in other words, one of the things that has unfortunately impacted Christianity was a sort of a dualistic thinking, you know, like to be a monk is superior to being 
uh, a father, a farmer, a mother, uh, you know, whatever. And um, so that's been very, very unfortunate. But I think I think the fact that um, that that story is there, I think, highlights something that we see very much in the life of Jesus. Very clearly, Jesus was an activist, um, and but at the same time, it's very clear from reading the Gospels and particularly from the Gospel of John that we see that Jesus was also profoundly a contemplative who spent a time in prayer and spent time in terms of friendship with the Father. Now, I happen to believe, Neil, that there is a sort of a relationship between doing work well or activism well if it comes from a prayerful, uh, contemplative um, centre rather than from a sort of an activism where we're always trying to prove something um, which may have a lot to do with our own ego and, and, and things like that. So, so I actually see that, that the emphasis on both contemplation and action, uh, prayer and service, uh, worship and much doing are important themes. And maybe the issue is that we need to get a greater balance between these two things. And you're certainly right in terms of what you said. I mean, you know, th- there are people there are people who, who pray but, uh, but aren't concerned, for example, about their neighbor or, or the tragedy of what's happening in Myanmar, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the other is also possible that there are people who work so hard and almost think that they have to do God's work for God um, that they overextend themselves, become a little bit messianic in their complex and uh, as a consequence burn themselves out and uh, and end up in a very, very uh, unfortunate space because burnt out Christians, are um, th- that's a huge challenge in terms of um, bringing healing to such persons. I imagine if we're reflecting on monastic life, uh, listeners might have in their mind an image of a monk in the Middle Ages and the image, you know, uh, processing in and, uh, you know, burning incense. And it could be a a very Eastern, you know, sometimes people will think of even a crossover of, is this a Christianity that crosses over with Eastern mysticism? Uh, How do you reflect on, you know, if you are going to take things a step deeper, are you going to be comprehensive? Compromising what you've understood and grown up as your Christian faith with something that sounds a little more Eastern than we're used to. Again, uh, Neil, a, a very, a very good question. Um, I think that one of the things that we tend to be uh, immediately concerned about, and particularly uh, coming back to the notion of an outlier. So, so I'm talking about uh, dimensions of global Christianity or institutions or movements within global Christianity that tend not to be mainstream. So, so Neil, I'm personally a mainstream Christian person, right? Yep. Um, but, but one of the things that I have learned, and, and the funny place where I learned this was actually working on the streets of South Brisbane, uh, which, which was the beginning in terms of starting Teen Challenge here in Australia. What I, what, what I learned working on 
streets was that uh, people with uh, alcohol issues, drug addiction issues, people in in, uh, in prostitution and so forth and so on, um, th- those persons weren't simply silly and stupid. And one of the things that I learned from them was also to listen to them in terms of what they had to say. And the strange thing is that I learned from people in the drug scene, the nature of, of community, really being there for each other. And then, of course, I read the Bible. And, I mean, the Bible is full about the importance of community, caring for one another, and, and so forth and so on. So, so when we then look at, say, uh, the monastic tradition, and we look particularly at Benedictine monasteries, uh, they are very much regarded now as being part of mainstream Christianity, um, and and actually it was the monasteries uh, during the collapse of the Roman Empire uh, that created the basis for the future development of Europe. So so I don't I don't feel that by moving in the direction of say. Benedictine spirituality or Ignatian spirituality or Franciscan spirituality, for example, along with evangelical spirituality, Wesleyan spirituality, that I'm in any way straying outside of um, the broader Christian tradition. My concern is, is that maybe too many of us are too narrow in terms of our appreciation of how rich the Christian tradition is. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might want to join into our conversation today. Our special guest is Dr. Charles Ringmer. He has a new book called A Fragile Hope, Cultivating a Hermitage of the Heart. And in case you missed it, Charles says, hey, he's a mainstream Christian and thinking more deeply about some of these very important issues around issues of the heart. Now, Charles, in the title of your book, uh, the subtitle is, uh, is, you know, developing a hermitage of the heart. What do you mean by that? Yes, so let me just background that a little bit, uh, Neil, and listeners. So so what happened was that um, after my six-month time in the Hermitage, I then wrote uh, a brief uh, set of reflections about that called Sabbath time. And after uh, that period, I then went back, if you like, to normal life. Um, and um, and that involved uh, being involved in various forms of ministry and writing and teaching. Uh, I lecture overseas, etc., uh, etc., et in um, in the Philippines. And uh, so so I was back again to uh, being the normal busy busy boy, if you like. And what I began then to think about was, um, and this is the point that I think you made earlier. Uh, what about what about ordinary Christians who who certainly can't spend um, six months in a hermitage, or who can't even go away for a weekend retreat, or you know whatever the case may be? What does what does uh, developing a hermitage of the heart look like in the midst of ordinary daily life, of family, of work, 
of recreation, ministry, and so forth and so on. So, so I, I felt that as, a, as quite a challenge and thought, well, well, maybe what I should do is that I should write a, a series of reflections about uh, what, what that looked like. In other words, I did not want to give the impression that, that prayer and spiritual practices and the practices of solitude or contemplation only belong to the what we might call the extraordinary, to the monks or somebody who takes a, a six-month retreat or, or whatever, but that these, these realities also very, very much belong to our ordinary daily lives. So, so for example, um, so one of the practices that, that I do is, is throughout my normal day, I will, I will stop at various points for about five or ten minutes in order to, to pray or reflect. I also use uh, lectionaries in terms of uh, various parts of the day. Uh, just, just as a way of, um, of coming to a more open, receptive um, posture in terms of my daily activities. So the writing of, of this book, A Fragile Hope, Cultivating a Hermitage of the Heart, really, really had the purpose of saying to ordinary Christians like myself that, uh, that spiritual practices, including the kind of practices that the monks are on about, are also practices that we can have uh, within our daily, normal Christian life. If we're reflecting back to the Bible, Charles, uh, when we read the Psalms or Proverbs, uh, or some of those, you know, contemplative, reflective books uh, of wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes, or reflecting on yeah. some of the prophets like Jeremiah, or even into the New Testament, John uh, exiled on Patmos and having that incredible uh, experience of the vision in Revelation. Are these the sorts of things that, in a biblical sense, you might say are reflective of what a normal Christian life might look like? But uh, here we have in the Scriptures the way these things came together so that we have the access to those things. Any thoughts around a biblical foundation for this? Well, certainly. Um, I, I really believe, you know, and you've made reference to, uh, you know, quite a number of, uh, of different themes uh, within the Bible. Um, I, I always want to primarily, first and foremost, go back uh, to the person and work of, of Jesus. So, so, so Jesus is uh, the person that I primarily look to, first and foremost, and I, I go first and foremost to the New Testament uh, in terms of, of, of hearing um, the heartbeat of what, what Jesus was on about. And, and what I see in him, as I mentioned earlier, is, is the fact that he was, a, he was both an activist and, and a contemplative. Now, 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 what strikes me, particularly in John's Gospel, which I think is the, the most you know, wonderful of the Gospels, is that in that Gospel, we get a very, very clear picture of Jesus' incredible attentiveness to the Father, wanting to hear what the Father was saying, wanting to do what the Father wanted him to do. 
etc., uh, etc., et to such a degree that Jesus then exclaims, uh, you know, the Father and I are one. Um, so, so really what John's Gospel is on about is, is a relationship of profound uh, friendship and solidarity between Jesus and the Father. And, I, and, and of course, um, th- that, that then, I believe, had an impact in terms of the way that Jesus did his, his ministry uh, to, to others, and particularly his, his passion for people who are marginalised, people who are on the edges of society, the poor, the needy, his concern about women, children, etc., uh, etc. Et so, um, so fundamentally, um, I think that contemplative practices have got nothing to do with satiric thinking, has got nothing to do with becoming um, uh, some sort of uh, person, you know, sitting on a mountain, you know, gazing on one's navel, etc., etc., Th- those things, I think, have got nothing to do with what the Bible suggests, that prayer, uh, listening, meditation, um, etc., are on about. They-, they fundamentally have to do with, with um, developing, first and foremost, um, a listening attitude towards God and towards Scripture and the Holy Spirit, in order for us to become more attentive. And and one of the reasons why I believe that we need to become more attentive is that we, we, and and, and Neil, you would know this in terms of all the interviews that you're doing with people, is that that, um, society is having such an amazing, incredible impact on our thinking, on our values, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, And one of the things that I believe the Christian life is on about is, is that we need to be different. Um, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Uh, we, need to be, we need to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ and seek more and more to live the passion of God as, as we find it in Scripture. Now, in order for us then to become more different, I believe that we have to then live a life of uh, retreat and engagement. If we simply have engagement, 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 and we don't have retreat, or, or in other words, if we simply have a life of activism, 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 and we don't have a life of prayer and and listening and solitude, then, then I think what what will happen is that the world will set our agenda. And I believe that the kingdom of God needs to set uh, the agenda in terms of, of, of how we seek to live. So, so therefore, I, I, I see these spiritual practices as absolutely foundational to what it means to be a Christian, but also to be somebody who is deeply concerned about the world and society. Charles, you have encouraged us to you know, be normal, and uh, normal is something we'll want to talk about as we get going uh, in this part of our conversation. But uh, when you're separating yourself to an isolated place in the bush, in the hinterland in Queensland, or I know that you've explored all sorts of 
ways of isolating yourself. Uh, You've even sat in a prayer hole on the Isle of Lindisfarne, in grottos on that island in the UK, or you've been fascinated with monasteries uh, that still exist and still function, a a hangover from the Middle Ages. Those sorts of things, you've been there and done that. Did it do something special for you spiritually, or does it help you to reflect on how you might apply these things in our day-to-day life? What are your thoughts? Well, one of the things, Neil, that, uh, that we learned uh, very early in the piece, so this is during the uh, nearly 20 years that um, together with uh, friends and co-workers that we work with uh, street, street people, uh, people with addiction issues and so forth and so on. Uh, what we learned during that time was that um, needs are always there Our problems are always greater than we can possibly uh, solve. Uh, There is always more to do, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And and therefore, it's very, very easy for us as as Christians to, to fall into the trap of more and more and more in terms of what needs to be done. But first of all, but first of all, we begin then to lack what we call self-care, which is a very unfortunate move. And an even more unfortunate move is that we become so busy uh, that we no longer pray, we no longer read scripture, we no longer uh, seek the leading of the spirit in the things that we are seeking to do. And what then happens is that our ministry then becomes uh, uh, impacted in, in quite negative ways uh, because, because we, we ourselves end up becoming uh, troubled people needing help. So, so we learned that lesson over a 20-year period that, that, um, that it's important that work, whether that be Christian ministry or that be work as a doctor or on the stock exchange or as a farmer, that that doesn't, uh, you know, dominate us, um, but that we have uh, more of a balanced life. Now, it's interesting that the the Benedictine monasteries uh, were the ones who actually um, were the first to develop Um, a sort of vision of how important it was for Christians um, to love God with with all of their heart, with all of their mind, um, and with all of their their, their strength. So so these monasteries then developed a rhythm. So it's important to pray. Uh, It is important uh, to study um, the renewing of the mind. And it's also important with all our strength to do daily work. So Benedictine monasteries, for example, uh, practiced agriculture, um, uh, growing their own food, vegetables, animal, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, they also ran schools and they also practiced um, liturgical and private prayer. So so the point, the point I want to make, Neil, is that... Um, that I think the biggest challenge for us, and particularly in the kind of world in which we're living, where, where there's such a, 
a mega dose of information that comes our way. We are so incredibly highly wired uh, to the latest of what's going on, etc., etc. We live relatively busy lives, even though during COVID we've undoubtedly learned to slow down a little bit. Uh, I believe one of the biggest challenges for us is to live life in some sort of a Christian balance. And that has to do with um, being oriented towards God, caring for ourselves, uh, and caring and ministry to others, but at the same time also making sure uh, that we're in a learning posture. Um, The renewing of our mind um, is is a, a very, very big concern to me. So I've been involved in theological education now for, you know, nearly 30 years. And, and one of the things that has struck me, uh, Neil, and listeners, is that, is that over the years, uh, more and more students who have come to the postgraduate classes that I have been running, who are Christians, are wanting to do a, an MDiv program uh, or an MA in theological studies or to go on to do a PhD, I've noticed this as time has gone on, uh, that, that, that these students know less and less about the Bible and have been formed less and less in terms of, uh, of basic theological perspectives. So, so I'm beginning to ask very, very uh, general questions such as, uh, so what's the level of, um, of Bible reading uh, within the general Christian community? Uh, what is the level of, um, of, of reading a book on, on basic doctrine? Um, what's the level in terms of catechetical instruction and, and those sorts of issues? So I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned that we've ended up with a weakened faith in a hugely challenging world, which is incredibly persuasive, And I believe that what we need to do is that we need to become more biblically oriented and centered on the one hand, and at the same time, more prayerful on the other, and at the same time, then more activist on the other. So what I'm talking about is is, um, head in terms of biblical and theological formation, heart with regard to spiritual practices, including prayer and and contemplation and so on, and hand with regard to our life of witness and service to the world. Now, it seems to me that those three things, head, heart and hand, really belong together. And and that's what uh, we can learn, for example, from Benedictine spirituality in terms of living a more balanced kind of life. And, and I wonder, Neil, and our listeners, whether that is one of the contemporary challenges that is facing us as Christians in the Western world. If we were all doing an evaluation about where those imbalances might fit in our own lives, we might be able to say, I'm lacking on head, or I'm lacking on heart, or I'm lacking on hands, and how you might yeah. assess that and how you might remedy that and actually get that balance back into a good perspective. And I know that listeners will appreciate the thought of self-care when you get so busy and so active, as you say, Charles, 
there are those who are burning themselves out in some sense, but that self-care is absolutely necessary. I wonder if we bring this back to where we all might actually have a opportunity to be contemplative. And I know you reflect in your book around these things, celebrating the Lord's Supper or the Communion. Uh, that's a time for you, Charles, and uh, where you talk about receiving food and nourishment for the Christian journey. Does some of these things we're talking about today start to take root when we're participating in a communion service in our local church? Well, certainly, uh, I I believe that life uh, in the church, in the faith community, is incredibly important, uh, providing uh, also that our church service um, has has, um, a sort of what you might call a balanced diet, um, so what I mean by that is that, um, you know, it's, it, it's possible to have, say, say wonderful worship, but, uh, but not to get a- adequate uh, biblical teaching. I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, it's also possible to have a wonderful liturgical service and, uh, and again, have poor preaching. So, so I think that, um, that the church is very, very important with regard to um, being nourished and sustained in our Christian faith and journey. But I believe at the same time, and this is, of course, the theme that was developed um, out of the Reformation by Martin Luther, the concept of the priesthood of all believers. So, so what I believe, Neil and listeners, is that we also have to take significant responsibility for ourselves with regard to what we do in terms of how we live the Christian life from Monday through to Saturday. And I personally believe that that we're working a little bit with a sort of a faulty uh, set of values where we think uh, Monday to Saturday, uh, that's sort of my domain in terms of my activities and what I do and my work and responsibilities, etc., etc., and then Sunday, oh yeah, oh yeah, Sunday's about God. Um, now, now, Neil, we can't live that way. That's 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 not a Christian way to live. Um, God, God, God is with us at the breakfast table. Uh, God is with us in our daily work. Um, God seeks to work through us wherever we are. Um, God wants us to be prayerful and, and attentive in relation to a colleague at work who we see is obviously struggling and 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 what we then need to do is is to begin praying for that particular person and hope that an opportunity will will open up with regard to sharing or comforting or practically helping or whatever the case may be so so what i'm saying is is that uh, what we experience at church needs to be replicated in small ways also in our Monday through to Saturday. And and I believe that that will provide for us a sustaining Christianity. We, we, we need a Christian faith that is deep enough and strong enough and robust enough for us to live distinctive lives in the kind of society that that we are living in today. Charles, in your book, uh, you identify expressions of our modern church experience, and I'll pick up on one of those that you mention in your book. You say we gather for worship and pretend that we're 
already arrived when we actually need to have the presence of God revitalize us. So there's something very special and energizing about the church service. And maybe listeners are not experiencing these sorts of things. What are your thoughts on the modern church experience and perhaps how those things are expressed with what we feel from attending church? Yes, that's a very, it's a very important question, Neil. I think that one of the things that we need to uh, recognize is that, generally speaking, if we look at uh, Christianity in the Western world, then what has happened is that the church has become uh, more and more marginalized. Uh, the church is not so well thought of um, in, in our contemporary society as it was in the past. Uh, church numbers uh, worldwide proportionately have gone down in the West in a very significant way. And, and I think as a consequence of that and other factors, I think it is very, very easy for us to go to church in terms of familiarity and to be comforted. Now, that's fine, okay? That's absolutely uh, important um, to, to be in a familiar space and to be comforted. But I think at the same time, uh, meeting together as, as a faith community also has to do with uh, being encouraged, being challenged, uh, being provoked, uh, etc., etc. And along with that, I believe that not only can the church, in terms of its one or one and a half hour service, do everything that the church needs to do for us. So therefore, I, I believe we need to be part of small groups. We need to be part of friendship groups. We, we need to be part of accountability groups, study groups, discussion groups, etc., etc. So, um, because one church service in and of itself cannot simply do everything that is needed with regard to Christian formation, encouragement, etc., uh, etc. Et okay. So. So one church service so, so Neil, a so week Neil, is not. What would yep. it look like, for example? What would it look like, for example, if um, if if we were also a little bit disturbed in terms of uh, uh, going to church? We would then have to create a place for uh, discussion and conversation and working things through. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So one thing leads to another. If you are disturbed yep. uh, by uh, you know from your. Uh, uh, from your low effort uh, and you are encouraged to be more active, then you have to have a forum to be able to discuss those things. Hey, we're exactly. taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from James in Kyabram in Victoria. Hello, James. Welcome along. G'day, Neil. How are you? Very well, James. What are your thoughts for our conversation today? We mentioned on the things of the heart, and, and for me, the biggest impact in my life back 30 years ago, I got into Team Challenge for stress-related issues because they do deal with life-controlling issues. It doesn't just have to be drugs and alcohol. I went in for stress, and the first thing that God did for me was he showed me that he had bandages on my heart. And we know the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. And, and I've, he sent me on a journey discovering the heart, that the heart won't tell you, oh, you're broken, you need to go to God. It'll, people will use drugs, they'll go to whatever resources they can, whether it's prescription drugs, which I'd, I'd taken some of those Serapax or something back then through the, the thing. 
But the healing of the heart, I think without the heart being healed, without us knowing, you know, you take your Ford to the Ford dealer, you take your heart to the God maker, to the heart maker, God. Only God can change your heart. The heart is essential for the right thoughts to be going through if it's broken. But even, even when it's healed, there's still that, um, you know, times of fighting the flesh against the spirit, as it, uh, I think it's Ephesians, we talks about we're continually uh, fighting one against the other. But it's so important to have a whole heart, isn't it? Um, I, 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 I've had worked at Teen Challenge after going through it. I highly recommend it. But I, I, my mother had died when I was 17 and I didn't have a dad. So I was very heartbroken over that and didn't realise that, you know, I was floundering around without no way of knowing, you know, what was the meaning of life. And fortunately, seven years after mum died, God interjected. Now, mum had told me I was a Christian. I knew I went to Bible diary uh, at school and... Um, and I had a hunger for God, but after mum died, I didn't think there was a God. But James, so I'll need to cut in here because you've made a really good point around uh, the healing of the heart and a whole heart. Uh, your thoughts here, Charles, for James? Well, I, I really believe that, uh, you know, what James is saying is, um, is, is correct. I think that one of, the, one of the things that we do need to recognise is uh, no matter what kind of um, you know background we have, um, family situation or whatever, um, we we do get we do get bruised and we do get uh, battered and we're not as tough as what we think we are, and we 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 do end up with what we might call in inner wounding, uh, the wounding the wounding of the heart, and. And restoration of our inner being, I believe, is at the very, very heart of what of what Christ uh, seeks to do. Um, the the word The word salvation actually also means healing. So, so Christ comes into our life um, as a healing and restorative uh, presence. Now. Now the point that James is making is correct that um, that, that what what has to happen is that 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 healing of the heart um, is going to be to some extent also an ongoing journey in that uh, we are called to grow in Christ and we're also called uh, to put aside the works of of the flesh and uh, and so on so so heart healing I, I believe. Um, is is absolutely essential because everything else flows from that particular centre, and and therefore um, we we need to see Christ at the very centre, at the very core of our being, at the very heart of who we are. Wonderful stuff, James. Thank you so much for your call. And uh, we'll need to be wrapping some things up here, but certainly the. Some will see the church as just a hospital for the heart. And, you know, when we hear of Jesus talking about uh, healing for the brokenhearted. Uh, but the other balance there, Charles, the energizing as someone who is active as a kingdom builder, and uh, you describe yourself as an activist, and uh, that's where there's a need for uh, having some time out and some rest and recuperation. But the, the balance is... Again, this is another set of balances, isn't it? The hospital for the heart and the energised kingdom builder. Uh, your thoughts as we sort of close some, uh, uh, you know, top off our conversation today? 
Yes, that's a very, very important point you're, you're making, Neil. Um, so, so take, for example, um, a, a particular family um, where, where, say, um, some of the children are, um, are wonderfully cared for, uh, but they're overprotected. Now, is that good for them? Well, the answer is no. No, they need to find a balance between being firmly rooted in the security of the family so that they can then fly, that they can then, um, you know, uh, go into the world and, 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 and do things. So, so one of the things, uh, particularly in the healing ministry, and we noticed that very much with working uh, with, uh, with people in the drug scene and so on for such a long period of time, um, that, um, that, that really what, what they were first and foremost looking for was healing and security and stability and getting their lives grounded. But the purpose of all of that is not just simply to be healed and grounded. Uh, the purpose then is also that you then are willing to comfort others with the comfort with which you have been comforted. Um, so in other words, uh, what you then have to do is you need to recognize that we're called not only to love God, but also to love our neighbor. And, 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 and so then, then we need to make sure that, that the church then or a healing community or an organization like Team Challenge, which seeks to heal people, make sure that that then doesn't become uh, the place uh, where, where they then stay um, in terms of simply feeling safe and secure. Uh, the, 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 Christian, the Christian life is, is also one of being on the road with Jesus. Yes, on the road with Jesus. And Charles, just a wonderful conversation today. And there's lots of depth in the things that we've been talking about. Uh, not as much depth as people will find when they get a hold of your new book. It is an easy read, but it'll take you deeper into some wonderful aspects of what it is to be a normal Christian. The book is called A Fragile Hope, Cultivating a Hermitage of the Heart. Uh, there's another book, too, that you've written, and it's a book of poetry, Charles, and we didn't get much chance to talk about that today, but it's called When All Else Fails. Uh, you're the author of more than 20 books, and for listeners who want to get a hold of those books from Dr. Charles Ringmer, you can find his website, Charles Ringmer, R-I-N-G-M-A, that's charlesringmer.com. And uh, also, once again, a congratulations, 50 years since the start of the first Teen Challenge base in Australia. And as listeners have been hearing us reflecting today on your work and people who've been suffering addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol and all sorts of other issues, uh, Teen Challenge, of course, website is teenchallengequld.org.au for those listeners who might know someone who needs the help of a wonderful organisation like Teen Challenge. Charles, wonderful as always getting your insights and I hope we can do this another day again soon. Uh, wonderful depth in the way you're able to articulate those issues of our faith. Thank you so much for taking some time to share them with listeners today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 